You're listening to the Tidy Revival Podcast, where we explore the stories and emotions behind decluttering and home organization. I'm your host, Carly Adams, home organizer and creator of the clutter-free home process. Now, this is the time where I remind you that this is not a show for little ears. If your kids are in the room, please pause now. This show has an explicit rating. We're going deep. We're going through your shit while we're going through your shit. Now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Tidy Revival podcast. Today's episode is all about decluttering through grief. And I wanted to talk about this as one of the first episodes, because this is a fair chunk of the work that home organizers do with their clients, but it's really hard work. It's the hardest work. And clients tend to feel very isolated in general with the work that we do. But when you're decluttering through grief, it can be especially emotionally difficult and feel very isolating. So like everything else we talk about, the point is to reiterate that you are not alone. And these feelings are so, so common. So that's why I wanted to bring on my friend, clutter-free home process student and client, Andrea LaRue. And before we get to our conversation, I want to let you know a little bit about her. I've known her for years. She's a family friend. I absolutely adore her. I'm very excited to bring you this conversation. Andrea is a lifelong crafter and now quilter and seriously, her quilts are amazing. And she loves a good DIY project. She's also a gardener, a very fantastic gardener who recently started her own flower subscription with flowers that she grew from seed called left field flower company. And she's based in Hayward, California. If you are in the region and want to know more, they're beautiful arrangements. She's also a fan of baseball games, particularly the SF giants, big fan of naps, me too. And yin yoga. Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's been a dream of mine to be a podcast guest. And yeah, this is for the amount of podcasts that I listen to. It's time. I'm so excited. It is absolutely time. <laughs> absolutely time. But you got to watch out because podcast guesting is like getting a tattoo. You think one is going to be enough. And then just before you know it, it's just escalated out of control. Hopefully one day we'll have you on one of my podcasts. I don't know what it would be about, but I'm in my podcast in general. I would talk to you about anything. So it'd be perfect. I mean, we do talk a lot about (laughs) lots of different things and just know when that day comes, the answer is yes. And I'm in a hundred times. So I'm just going to dig on into it because we have a lot to talk about today. And I consider you one of my friends who has a lot of experience with the grief community and who has amazing resources to share with folks when they're going through it. I know that this as a topic in general is something that's near and dear to your heart. I've heard you speak on it at events and share online, but I know it stems from your personal experience with grief. So would you please, as we get started, share your story? Yeah, I'd love to. So My younger brother, Richard, died in 2016. This is actually coming up on like the six-year anniversary. He died in an accident and he was was 21 years old. And it was not something that we saw coming in the slightest. And it really rocked my family. It rocked my identity in the world to have a significant loss take place 
when I was 25 and it changed everything. It changed how I moved through the world. And, um, it was a huge disruption of my life and what was going on at that time. And so, like you said, I do talk about it online a lot. I share about it. I share with others because I felt so, so out of the order, right? It was like, I was the only person I knew who had lost a brother. Certainly personally, maybe someone else through high school, like, oh yeah, that you could talk to them. Or, But it was, it was something that I had no experience with. And it, so since then I have really tried to open myself up to connecting with others in their grief process. And then also just normalizing the experience so people can know kind of, unfortunately, everybody we know is, we're going to lose them at some point. No one here, you know, makes it out of this humanness alive. So we, depending on the time of your life, but this is grief and death is like one of the most normal things that happens in our life. But in our Western society, we um, we lack a lot of resources and language around how to integrate mourning and grief because it's not about getting over those experiences, but about moving forward with them and carrying these experiences with you, or at least that's what I found it to be most helpful. So yeah, I could talk all day about it. I'm so glad we're going to dig in about this aspect. Yeah. And it's interesting, like you said, lacking the language around it when I was even doing the research for this episode, because this is something, like I mentioned at the top, this is something that comes up a lot. Mm. And this is something that people have to work through regularly and that people in our field are, we're working with clients regularly on this topic, but for all of that, there's not a lot of resources out there specifically when it comes to decluttering through grief. Mm-hmm. And there's some things kind of like around it, but I was surprised at the lack of resources compared to what I thought there would be on the Mm -hmm. topic. Was surprised at the lack of search volume. Sure. Yeah. For both the client or the person going through it and as the, the home organizer, you know, how can they can you incorporate things that that best support your client or yeah. Yeah. And there are the more common resources are, you can't see my air quotes at home, but quote unquote, like cleaning out someone's house, Mm -hmm. which is its own thing. Absolutely. And something that people need to know, but if you're not cleaning out a whole house and that's not the process that you're going through, then there's a shocking shockingly low number of resources on the topic. I know that we've done a lot of work together and some of it directly has to do with grief related decluttering and some of it doesn't, but it's absolutely related. Would you share some instances when you were surprised at how connected things were? Yeah, I love that question because I think the first thing that comes to my mind is that as someone who lost somebody unexpectedly, I have found myself wanting to keep almost everything sentimental from family members or loved ones. Since my brother died, I, you know, we've at some points, I'll keep any voicemail I get just in case that person, when I lose them, I want to go back and like, listen to their voice or listen to a voicemail. So the same thing with cards or 
a scrap of paper, like, oh, well, one day I might really treasure this scrap of paper that has their handwriting on it. And so I think that's totally normal. And that's okay. Also, you know, I'm not saying to not keep those things, but you find yourself going, do I really need all of these things? You know, maybe I could pick two. So that's something that surprised me. And in a good way, you're more aware of people's, the fragility of your relationships. And so you just kind of hold on to some things as mementos, if that is how you feel loved, or you one day might want that thing. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's interesting how you then have to look at it and say, what do I really want to do? What amount of this is a trauma response and how much of, and that how much of that am I okay with digging into or then like, okay, I know this is a trauma response, so I'm going to choose X, Y, Z. But again, like you said, and we'll dig into it more because that's actually the next thing that I want to talk about, but some of it, a lot of it can be related to timing too. Are we friends on social media yet? Whether your jam is Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, or Facebook, follow us at Tidy Revival for tips and updates. Something I get asked a lot is what is the right time to declutter after a family member's passing? I know that it's a very personal decision and one that others can't make for you by any means. So what is your advice on the timing and the stages of the process that people need to consider when they're thinking about getting started decluttering? Yeah, I mean, that is such a, I know this is a super common question when we when it comes to this topic and it's unfortunately there's no one right answer of course which I know you mentioned and um but in some ways you really you kind of I or I experienced where I wish there was one right I wish there was this sort of prescribed thing I could go through and say okay well it's been one year so now I feel ready to do blank and mm-hmm. it was more about learning that there is no right way. So some advice that I would give, I know for my, I can only really speak for my personal experience. And since it was my brother who died, it wasn't only, you know, it wasn't my spouse or my child. So I wasn't in the driver's seat as far as when to get started. So we, my sister and I really waited to to take cues from our parents on when they felt more comfortable. My brother lived in an apartment and so we, with other roommates, so we gathered all of his things and we kept them in bins in our garage. And it was very, very painful to think about going through his items in that first year for our family. And then, I mean, it took years after that to even really start being able to go through some of his items and not feel a strong physical response. And that's okay. Also, I want to stress that to go through them and to have that physical response is okay, but it feels so uncomfortable for some of us Mm -hmm. as we, as that happens. So the advice is that there's no, you have to be in communication with the other people that loved your person. Most Mm -hmm. of the time, I would say. And I know that for some people, it can feel really therapeutic to go through some of their items earlier on in their grieving process to feel like a closing of maybe what was a painful chapter if their person was sick and to clean up 
or let go of some parts of that process. The advice I have is to know yourself and to go easy on yourself through the process and mostly know that there's no rush. There doesn't have to be a rush on it. So hard. Yeah, Yeah, it is really hard. This episode is brought to you by the clutter-free home process, my online course community that teaches you the process I use with every client, including how to declutter and get things out of your home. Yes. Including the tough stuff, create simple systems and maintain it. All of this comes with personalized support and accountability along the way for a full year in a private community. Learn more at tidyrevival.com forward slash course. In your experience, what are some of the considerations that you would need to make about decluttering through grief that might differ from the usual advice that people get about decluttering? Some of the advice, I think, when it comes to the grief decluttering versus the the everyday decluttering that you might have, if it's like your pantry or your own closet, I think to one, go very easy on yourself because you've probably never done this before, but maybe with specifically with this person. So this is because every person that you lose, your grief will be different because of the stage of life that you're in and your relationship to that person, because every person is different. So to one, go very, and that looks might look different to, for different people, but just going easy that we were grateful to lean on Carly and your help of coming in to help us go through some of his items and categorize them. And so one thing that comes to me about the grief process of it is like you're saying, you know, I can't use all 35 of his shirts. You know, I'm not going to wear them, but that's the purpose of a shirt is to be worn. And so it was nice for me to go through and pick out some things that either I had a really specific memory of him wearing or that I just, I knew he loved, but he also wasn't somebody that was very into like physical belongings. He was much more like experienced person. So even some things that I gave him as gifts, like, oh, I know he didn't really, it was just a shirt. It's okay that, you know, that I'm not going to keep it anymore. But so I did pull out a few things that I really loved and, and kept them out and have them in my closet now, or have them on my shelf. Some of the books that he read. And I guess that's some advice that I would offer too, is to like incorporate those things into your life in a way that feels right for you. Cause like, sure. In the beginning, that would have been incredibly hard for me and not have felt comforting whatsoever. But now it's nice that like, oh, there's, there he is. He's still around. His presence is still real for me, even if they are in those physical items, instead of him being here, like he should be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I have a few things from my grandmother, grandmothers, my great grandmother. And I know those relationships are completely different, but it's, it's nice. It's nice to have those things around and to be able to honor them daily by using them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think of Sue, some of his things, I started to feel really sad that like we hadn't gone through some of his items that I knew that somebody else might be able to enjoy and use. Like we didn't need his textbooks or some of the books that he had read Mm -hmm. that maybe we wouldn't have really gotten anything out of keeping in a way. And so it was 
freeing to then remember that there could be somebody else who got as much of joy out of that item as maybe he did. And there we're not those people. So let's share them with somebody that might, that might get that joy. And like, I kind of think my brother would love that. He'd be like, great. I'm glad. I'm glad it's not sitting in the closet anymore. Let that thing go out and serve somebody else. Even if it's just, you know, a textbook or something that seems simple. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of that new chapter. And I know that's helped me let go of lots of things. It's just thinking about the possible person who is going to find it and be so happy and be able to give it a second life. Absolutely. What tips did you find helpful through the decluttering process as we were working together? And this is not like a toot horn situation, but more of a, like, what can people glean from this experience and use if they aren't necessarily wanting to, you know, work with an outside person? Mm -hmm. I think, and yeah, of course, that's not always feasible for various reasons to have an outside person there with you. I was surprised at how much it did help since it was a group of us, my parents and my sister and myself to have that, you you were there, but just a third party person be sort of a mediator. And there wasn't even much conversation around it, but just as like no one person, no one grieving person had to be in charge. And so I did feel that a surprising amount of peace with that because yeah, there was no, like, I've got to hold space for my parents or I've got to hold space for my sister. I could just hold space for myself and let you, the home organizer, help with the processing of the physical processing of the items. And we could work on the emotional processing of it. So if that's feasible. I think I, I would recommend looking into it. But for those of us that just for various reasons, not having somebody there to do that work with you, if you're doing some of it yourself, I think about this idea that it'll be easier if I do it now, or maybe if I wait five years, it'll be easier or better. Or just recently I'm realizing, like I said, it's been six years since my brother died, that it's not easier now, but I do feel like I carry it differently. And so waiting a little bit to declutter helped me it wasn't easier. It was just different. Mm-hmm. And I was a little different and my relationship was a little to him is a little different and letting that be like a good thing that the intensity of my grief from the really early days, it feels different. It feels a little less harsh and it still hurts the same, but I'm able to, like I said, carry it a little differently. So When you think you feel these shoulds, like, well, we should go through their stuff now. You know, we should do it. We shouldn't keep anything or we should keep everything. Whatever those outside influences that we put on ourselves or that we just internalize that we think, well, there's a way to do this. And unfortunately, there's not a prescriptive way to do this. And using that as like a powerful thing, there is no way to do this. So you get to choose what feels best for you for right now. That's so, so powerful. I feel like so many times just in life, we want to know 
the right way or people get caught up in the quote unquote right way to do things. And so much of life isn't about the right or wrong answer. It's just about choosing the path that feels best to you right now and just going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, hon, are you looking to jumpstart your organization? Check out my free printable decluttering guide to give you inspiration on where to start. Just head to tidyrevival.com forward slash guide to get started. What are some of your biggest self-care tips and or favorite resources to share if somebody is starting their grief journey outside of decluttering? Sure. Yeah. I remember in the very beginning, I was kind of obsessed with finding resources specifically around sibling loss, because that is one of the lesser written about topics. And they think they're even tagged as the forgotten mourners. So I could talk forever on that. But in general, there are so many more modern grief books and resources coming out that I'm so like excited about seeing because originally six years ago, even I would Google stuff and it would be kind of things that didn't quite fit my grief experience and doves on the covers of books and waves crashing on the side of a cliff. So just this like imagery of grief as being a certain way that didn't hit for me. And no, I think people have found a lot of help in those things, but as maybe our younger audience is listening and going like, yeah, I didn't really feel like that was helpful. So one thing that I would recommend is a book called It's Okay That You're Not Okay, Meeting Grief and Loss in a Culture That Doesn't Understand. And that's by Megan Devine. Anything that they've put out has been so, so helpful. Her community is called Refuge in Grief, but if you Google it, you'll definitely find some of her stuff. And she's got a podcast as well, I think. And then another one, I it's called The Dinner Party. And when it started, it was about meeting over dinners to 20 and 30 somethings, meeting over dinners to connect about their significant law. And now, especially since March, 2020 and how everything has really changed, it's less about meeting in person and it's more of a platform for grieving 20, 30 and early 40 somethings to find peer community. And so I would absolutely recommend the work that they're doing if you're looking at, if you know somebody who's grieving or if you yourself are grieving. And if it's been 20 years, I think it's been two months, you can touch down on your relationship still to that person and to your grief. So those are some things. And then I know we'll give my information later, but if anyone has any questions or wants to connect about it, I'm happy to always like point people and resources. I've Like I said, I love collecting them and because I find it does help me feel less alone. Mm -hmm. And I found just in knowing you for years now, you're a natural connector too between people and resources. And that's one of your gifts. We will definitely have these linked in the show notes for today. I'm also going to link a podcast series. I'll link the first episode in the series that our mutual friend, Tammy Hackbarth did on the hundred percent guilt-free self-care podcast. And of course your contact information will be in there as well. I really, really appreciate you being here to share your story. I know there's so many people out there who can relate to what you shared. I know these resources are going to help people and just knowing that you're not alone through the process again, means so much. So thank you for being here, Andrea. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Where can folks 
find you? Let us know all the ways. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Andrea made that. It's andrea.made.that. And then my new flower subscription business, if you're interested in flowers in the East Bay, is Left Field Flower Co. You'll see that. And please reach out if you are listening and you just want to connect about something that I said or a question or anything. Like I said, I'm so happy to talk about something like grief that is so hard, but I have found that talking about it has helped me. And that's just my personal experience. I'm so glad you're doing this, Carly. I think people are really gonna, gonna resonate with a lot of people. I hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in today. If you want to learn more about how I can help you head to tidyrevival.com to learn how I work with people one-on-one or in the clutter-free home process course community. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. So you'll always have access to the latest episode. We would also love to hear your takeaways. Feel free to tag us at tidy revival on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. The Tidy Revival podcast is written and hosted by Carly Adams and edited by Brittany McLean. Title song, Maverick, is by Dresden the Flamingo. Until next time, remember that you got this.